If you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 1. We're going to continue our series today, uh, Who's Your One? Remembering that we're building up to September the 15th. We're going to invite everybody to invite everybody. And my prayer is, is that we're going to see God do things that we could not have even imagined. So what's that take? It takes you bringing your one. John chapter number one, beginning at verse number 40, the Bible records these words. John chapter number one, verse number 40. And one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother Simon and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. If you've got a pen, if you've got a highlighter, if you want to make a mental note, if you want to remember one line from the Bible, remember that line. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we've read your word this morning. And God, we ask that it would not come back void, but Lord, it would accomplish all that you want it to do. So Lord, as uh, this old country boy this morning opens his mouth, Father, I pray that you would speak through me, that Father, the Holy Spirit would get uh, glory, that the Holy Spirit would interpret uh, from my lips to the ears of the hearer, and then Father, that your word, God, would be made strong in the hearts of this people here today, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We're going to continue, uh, who's your one today? And, and probably some of you in here remember a movie that was made back in 1946 called It's a Wonderful Life. Remember, it was Jimmy Stewart, and, and it was a Christmas story, actually. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of bad things happen to him in, in the movie. And, of course, at the time, it didn't do too well at the box office. But actually, uh, just here recently, it was voted the number one most impactful movie ever uh, in America, like the top 10 overall movies ever made. But basically, in the movie, it's Christmas Eve. They're in a place called Bedford Falls, New York. And uh, Jimmy Stewart's characters had a lot of bad things happen to him and financial situations, stuff like that. And uh, some money got missing at a, at a savings and loan that he was kind of in charge but he didn't have, you know, had no impropriety there, but they were going to call the police on him and all of this. Well, he goes to this bridge and he decides he's going to jump off the bridge and end it all. Well, in the movie, there was this angel uh, named Clarence Oddbody, and he was a, now this, this is fiction now, he was an angel second class. And to get his angel first class wings, he had to go to uh, this fellow, this uh, George Bailey that was contemplating suicide and, and try to help him through this situation. Well, he wants to get his angel wings, so he goes down. But now, George has already jumped. He gets there a little too late. 
But what happens is he takes him back, kind of like Scrooge, you've heard of that, how he goes back and, well, this is what this angel does with him. And he takes him back in time and, and, and he shows him different scenes from his life. You see, this man had had a brother that he had saved his life uh, early on as a, as a child. And, and he said, you know, if you'd have never existed, if you'd have not been here, because that's one of the things he'd said is the world would be a better place if I'd have never even existed. Your brother wouldn't be alive today. Well, then he goes on and he, 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 he tells the story when he was a, a teenager working in a drugstore and the, the druggist, he had had a, a, a son that had recently died and he was distraught and his mind was elsewhere and he accidentally put poison in one of the prescriptions that he was going to fill for somebody. But this young man, this George Bailey, caught that and, and warned him and stopped him from doing that and, of course, he saved a life there. Well, he goes throughout his life talking about that and all the different things that had happened and, and, and finally convincing him or convinces him that he really is an angel and his life really does have meaning. And old George, he's, you know, he's grateful and all of that. And uh, the townspeople love him so much they raise enough money to pay off that money that got uh, missing and shows him that no matter how insignificant he thinks his life might be, that it truly was a wonderful life. Well, what makes a wonderful life in the kingdom of God? How does God define a life that is well lived? Well, we read about that in John chapter number one. Andrew, one of the two which heard John speak and he followed Jesus. He found his brother and said, hey, I found the Messiah uh, I found the Christ and then he brought him to Jesus. And of course, when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is being interpreted a stone. Who is this? None other than the apostle Peter. None other than the writer of New Testament books. None other than the one who would preach on the day of Pentecost and thousands of people would be saved. None other than the first Jew to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You know, Peter's the one there. He's seeing that vision, things, food coming down. And God said, Peter, what I declared clean, don't any man declare unclean. And Peter then understood that he was supposed to take the gospel, let the gospel go to the Gentiles. Well... Andrew is probably the least known of these four disciples in Jesus' inner circle. As a matter of fact, he's left in the background most of the time. But God used him to reach one who would then reach thousands, perhaps millions. And Andrew never was on the... Now just stop and think. I was talking about George Bailey. If Andrew had not met Jesus and then recognized that he was the Messiah and he has a brother named Peter uh, and then he brought him to Jesus, you and I would be missing two books out of the New Testament of the Bible. It would be incomplete. As a matter of fact, if Andrew had not brought Simon Peter to the Lord Jesus, the day of Pentecost would look much, much different than it did. Peter's the one that preached. Well, all the different things that Peter did, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles, taking part in that first council there in Jerusalem, all of that would have been changed had Andrew never been born and never brought his brother 
to Jesus. Well, Andrew, you know, he ran around with Peter. Who was it? Peter, James, John. You know, the Bible calls them the sons of thunder. It don't give Andrew no good nickname like that. But it calls those two uh, the sons of... Now, they were the two, you know, they went out sharing the gospel and, and they were kind of rebuked a little bit and they go back to Jesus and they said, hey, why don't we just call fire down from heaven and kill them all? I mean, they had fire in their belly. Jesus rebuked them. He said, no, no, wait a minute. Sometimes when you go knock on somebody's door and they, they're kind of rude to you, you won't be like them, huh, and call fire down from heaven. Hey, God calls us to love each other. But the, what I'm saying is they were out front. They were leaders. They were prominent. And, and they were outspoken. Well, Andrew had to live his life right there smack in the middle of the shadow of his brother that he had led to the Lord. I mean, we don't hear about him. He introduced him to Jesus and then basically he kind of slips off the scene. But Andrew shows us that he had the right heart for effective ministry in the background. You see, I was thinking about something this week. It's just been something on my mind. If we exist for anything, anything other than leading men, women, boys, and girls to the Lord Jesus Christ for God's glory. We're nothing but a country club, and we might as well co close the doors and go to the house. Now, oftentimes when we do that, we're not going to get notoriety, or we're not going to get fame. Uh, we're not a, certainly not going to get fortune from doing that. But we can, when that is our central, that is our prime, that is our only uh, mission as a body of believers, well, God can take that and use it to change the world just like He did through the life of Peter or Andrew. Uh, you've heard my story so many times. I, I get emotional when I talk about it because there was two people really one, you've heard me just recently share about that preacher. And he opened the Bible and he preached from Luke chapter number 16. And, and God convicted me through that. And, and, and I was born again, saved, miraculously brought from death to life. And I, I, don't, even, I don't even know that man's name. He doesn't even know the impact that he had in my life. But because he was willing in the background without any uh, fame or any fortune from it or even an attaboy or good job was willing to be obedient and share the gospel. And it made a difference in one young man's life. But listen to this. I've told the story about that missionary who tried to share the gospel with me. I was at the depths of sin and where sin can take a person out of my mind. And instead of listening to him share the love of Christ, I cussed him and said, I don't want to hear about your God. That man has lived for the last 24 plus years thinking he was a failure. But what he don't know is I could not get that out of my mind. 
I'd lay down and I'd try to go to sleep and all I could hear in my mind was I don't want to hear about your God. 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 Oh God, let me hear one more time. Oh God, let me hear one more time. And then bam, Luke chapter number 16. And I was born again into the family of God and my destiny was changed because one man in obscurity, one man who nobody knows his name, one man who thought he was a failure was willing to step out and step up and do what God wanted him to do and my life was changed and hopefully I ain't the only one because of it amen I don't know how many but I can't count them on two hands or two feet how many I've led to the Lord amen I don't say that bragging I say it because that man was willing to be obedient one day I'll meet him in heaven and I'll say you thought you lost but you really did win (laughs) big boy you had an impact that night And I'm going to get down on my hands and knees and praise Jesus and I'm going to jump up and I'm going to wrap my arms around his neck and I'm going to say thank you for being an Andrew. Thank you for being an Andrew. Well church, God's calling each of us. Listen, we can't all be Peters. But we can all be Andrews to bring one to Jesus. The story of a man that's an unsung hero lived the majority of of his life in obscurity. Um, Even in church tradition and church history, there's not that much information to find out about Andrew. But I want to share something with you. Just like with George Bailey, it was a wonderful life. A wonderful life that had impact on the world that's still having an impact today. So I want to share with you three qualities of that wonderful life this morning for just a few minutes. Number one, Andrew had a wonderful life because he saw the value of individual people. Right there in in John uh, chapter number one, Andrew, uh, he meets Jesus and and he don't say, hey, I'm going to go out here and win the world for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, no, I've got a brother and I care about that brother. And because I care about that brother, I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring my brother to Jesus. Introduce him to the Messiah. So he does that. He brought Peter to Jesus, but it was just one. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6. You see, Andrew saw the value of individual people. Well, in John chapter number 6, after all the ministry he'd been doing, he went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, verse number 1. There was a whole bunch of people following him because they had saw the miracles. And Jesus, he went up into a mountain. Uh, he's trying to get away and he was teaching his disciples. Well, it was the Passover, the Feast of the Jews. It was drawing close. And Jesus saw this great crowd of people coming to him. And he said uh, to Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse number 5. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Well, Philip, he's just like me. He's just like a lot of us. He answered and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. little. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Andrew saw the value of individual people because in verse number uh, 8, the Bible says one of his disciples... Andrew, and look, right there on the... They couldn't even say Andrew without tagging Peter. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, 
Well, there's a little lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? You see, Andrew saw the value of individual people. You think about this. D.L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody. Changed the world. Founded to the Moody Bible Institute up there in Chicago. Preached to probably millions of people. Led thousands and thousands of people to the Lord. But there was this little old man named Ed Kimball who was a Sunday school teacher in Chicago. Well, he was shy and he was backwards and he was scared to death because old Moody, he was a big old boy and he had this big booming voice. And, and, but the Lord had laid on his heart to go tell D.L. Moody about Jesus. And, and the story goes is that uh, Moody was a shoe salesman at the time that he was going to go down there to the shoe store to where he worked and he was so scared that he kept walking back and forth, back and forth in front of the door. He'd walk one block one way and one block another way. And finally he said, Lord, i got to get on, just go ahead and get it over with and go on in there. And he later said that he does not even remember what he said. He's most confident that he did not make a clear presentation of the gospel. But somewhere in there, D.L. Moody, the power of the Holy Spirit drawed him. And he cried out, God save me, I believe that Jesus... And God took that old stammering, illiterate Chicago shoe salesman and used him to bring uh, the gospel to Europe, to America, and all over the world because one man, Ed Kimball, a little Sunday school teacher that thought he couldn't even reach this man, was willing to share the gospel. One. One. Well then the question is, who's your one? Who is your one? God's calling all of us. Listen, I, I, can't, be a, I can't be a Peter. I don't have it in me. I, I'm not going to write great flowing literature like John or like Paul. But I can be an Andrew that'll just pick out one and say I'm going to do whatever's necessary. Oh, so September the 15th is approaching. I can go to that person I work with. I can go to that person I go to school with. I can go to that family member or that friend and I say, you know what, on September the 15th, I'd love for you to come to church with me. Not that I'd love you to come to church, but come to church with me. You see, Andrew brought him to Jesus. And you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to take you out to dinner. I'd like to just, hey, don't take them down there to the McDonald's. Take them somewhere nice. I mean, just really build it up and say, I want to invest in you. and I want to show you just how much I love you. And I want to bring you to the house of God to hear about Jesus. Maybe invite them over for dinner two or three times before then to start setting the stage. Maybe go to their house. Hey, maybe babysit their kids. Maybe go mow their grass. I don't know. Whatever uh, the Lord can use you to do, be willing to do it so that that one can come to know Christ. And then maybe in eternity, you can, like Andrew said, I led Peter to the Lord. <laughs> hey, it might be the next Peter. But you got to do it by reaching that one. He saw the value of one individual person. Number two, he saw the value of an insignificant gift. Right there in, in John chapter number six, you know, they had all these thousands of people to feed. And they didn't know how they were going to do it. Now, I know Jesus understood how He was going to feed them. He said He was testing Him 
because he, he already knew what he was going to do. But I got news for you this morning. I ain't Jesus and neither are you. We don't know how God's going to work uh, all the time. But what we do know is he'll work if we'll simply let him. So this Andrew understood. There was a little boy there. All he had was a few fishes and a few loaves of bread. How in the world is that going to feed all of them people? But he understood that if he could just get it to Jesus. Listen church, if he could just get it to Jesus. He understood the value of even the most insignificant gift. You know the story over there. I'm not going to ask you to turn for sake of time. They were in the temple and this one man comes in. I mean, he lays down, I don't know, like hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars in today's money. And he throws it into the offering plate. But there's this little old widow woman walk, walked in and she had one mite. You know what a mite was? A mite was something like 10% of one day's wages. You take your penny that you got in your pocket and you cut that thing in half and that's about what a mite was working that, that worth in that day. It wasn't worth too much. But she brings brings that in and that's all that she's got. And she throws that little thing in the offering plate and Jesus said, hey, she gave more than the one that gave the thousands or the millions because out of her poverty she gave all that she had. Listen, it's not up to us to take a bunch of money or a bunch of things or a bunch of talents and turn them things and do uh, amazing things with them. No! Our weakness, God's strength is made uh, 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 perfect in our weakness. So if we simply give Him what we've got as little as it is, he can take that and just do amazing things with it. But we've got to be willing to give him what little we've got. See, Andrew understand, understood. This little boy, he's only got these few fishes, but if I can just get it to Jesus, he can do great things with it. God's ability to use a gift is in no way hindered or enhanced by the size of that gift. Did you get that? God's ability to use a gift is in no way hindered or enhanced by the size of that gift. It's the sacrificial faithfulness of the giver, not the size of the gift that is the true measure of the gift's significance. You see, Andrew had a wonderful life because he understood and knew the value of even insignificant gifts. And you see, in that, God gets the glory because He's the great multiplier of gifts. Well, the miracle of the feeding of 5,000 illustrates the way God works. He takes those insignificant gifts and performs miracles and multiplies them to accomplish great things. Number three, and I'll close, He saw the value of inconspicuous service. Right there in John chapter number 6, Jesus is performing miracles and He's got this great crowd of people following Him. And the Bible says one of His disciples, Simon Peter's brother. You see, Andrew knew that he was never going to be on, in the spotlight. He was never going to be the one that everybody stands up and applauds. But he understood that if he'd simply humbly serve the Lord in the position that God placed him in, that he could do great things with his life. And this insignificant life, this inconspicuous gift, this inconspicuous service could be used for the glory of God. Well, Andrew was a picture of all those who work in humble places. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. 
verse number 6, the Bible records these words. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Not with eye service as men pleasers, we don't need man's applause, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God. Oftentimes our service goes unnoticed. Oftentimes it seems that no one cares. But church, I promise you, every seed you sow for the glory of God, you will reap if you do not faint and you continue to labor on for the glory of God. Well, tradition has it that Andrew took the gospel north into Russia, possibly all the way to Scotland. And he was ultimately crucified in Achaia. He, uh, it's in southern Greece and one account of Andrew's death said that he led a provincial Roman governor's wife uh, to the Lord and because of that it infuriated her husband. Well, he demanded that his wife recant and renounce her faith and she refused so he crucified Andrew. The Bible says that he, or not the Bible, but tradition says that he was lashed to the cross um, not nailed so that it would take longer for him to die. But Andrew did this willingly. Tradition also says that as he was lashed to that cross and he was dying, as people walked by, he was a spectacle and they were looking at him. He was crying out, repent and be saved in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. His service had an impact. It's still having an impact today. We don't know exactly how many people Andrew influenced, but we know, well, he led one to the Lord. And that one changed the world. So once again, church, my question is, who's your one? September the 15th. And I want to say this. As I've been praying about who's your one, God just keeps giving me more ones. And more ones. There's people that I, I worked with at the prison that I hadn't thought about in years, but as I prayed for this one that God had already given me, He puts another one on my mind, and another one on my mind, and another one on my mind. And if we'll take it serious like Andrew and realize, hey, we've met the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and get serious about that thing, we won't have too much trouble coming up with one or two or 20. That can impact the world. So, September the 15th, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, instead God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen... What is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. What is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing. What is viewed as something so that no one may boast in His presence. What's that tell me? God doesn't need my strength. God doesn't need my intelligence. God does not need my ability, my talents. He simply... Wants my obedience. 
And then he can take his stupid old country boy and use him for the glory of God. And listen, he can make an Andrew out of you too if we'll simply be obedient to bring that one to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, I'm so thankful that you've given me that mission just a nobody telling everybody about a somebody that'll save anybody. God, you don't call us all to be Peters or Billy Grahams or the Apostle Pauls. But Lord, you do call us all to be an Andrew, to meet the Messiah and then find that one and bring that one to Jesus. Father, I pray just now that your spirit would so envelop this body of believers here at Zion Baptist Church that God, if necessary, we wouldn't be able to eat, we wouldn't be able to sleep. God, we couldn't even go about a normal day without giving in to that burden to reach one for your glory and for their good. So God, I'm individually now asking you, God, to burden every heart here and then give them, Lord, the power to bring their one to Jesus. That Lord the world may be changed. In His name we pray. Amen.